Let us begin. Tonight, we're going to work on part three. I might turn this into a book. It feels like a chapter. Every week's like a chapter, right? I'm not going to write a book, but, you know, it's a fun thought. Um, All of us, as we've been growing up and as we've been moving through life and school and, uh, you know, however else you get your information, you've gotten dating advice, most likely. People have told you things that you should consider. Hey, you know, I think that you should uh, not spend a whole lot of time with the person you're dating. You, you, should, you should you manage that time wisely. Then other people say, no, 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 you should spend as much time as you can to get to know everything about them so you know if you should marry them or not. Some people will tell you, hey, I don't think you should even kiss until you get married. All right, some of you are like, wait a minute, I don't like this place. Uh, but other people will say, no, 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 you, you at least have to kiss. Some would argue there's a lot of other things you have to do because you just got to know if this is the person that you're going to be with. You need to know if you can marry them. So you got to see if there's some chemistry there, right? And some people will say, hey, you really shouldn't date anyone uh, unless they're the person you're going to marry. So really, there should only be one person that you date in your life, and it's the one person that you marry. Others will say, no, 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 you should date around and just, just experience different people and, and learn and, and grow. And you get all this advice, and a lot of it can be contradictory at times, and it can be hard to balance what to do and where to go and who to see and who not to see, and do I say yes or do I say no, or do we break up or do we even date or do we kiss? I don't know. And it can be stressful. And I'm going to tell you tonight that I don't have all the answers for you. That's all I got to say. You're welcome. You can go home. No, I'm just kidding. But what I want to do tonight is I want to uh, try to guide us a little bit, um, navigate us a little bit, and use the scriptures to help us use just some real-life experience that I've had myself to help us to navigate and to guide this. Now, we've done two parts so far. The first night, we looked at being single. We talked about the importance of singleness. We talked about how it is that time that we are single that we are undistracted. We can secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. It is our singleness that gives us an opportunity to secure a singular focus on God. And so though most people see singleness as a bad thing, we realize that actually singleness is a wonderful thing. It's a time of growth. It's a time of discovering who God has created you to be. And if you can discover who God's created you to be, then you're a little bit more ready to step into this next season of life. We talked about that it's not necessarily about finding the one, but more about becoming the one. It's the preparation process. Then last week we talked about the friend zone. We did a whole sermon on the friend zone. Not awesome? No one can say that in the history of the world, all right? We are the only ones that I think have ever done that. But what we talked about was the reality that in the friend zone, we see two things. One, it helps us to see people clearly, We see who they really are, not who they are when they're trying to impress us on a date or trying to press us when they're around us. But we also saw that it is in this season, really in our singleness, but also in the friend zone, that we get to be the church stronger than ever before. We get to come together. We get to hold each other accountable. We get to work together and navigate through life together. And it's a beautiful thing. And now tonight, if you've noticed, we're just moving down the line of stepping into a relationship. And tonight is the night that you have now got yourself ready. You are ready for a person to come into your life, and now it's time to make it, are you ready, Facebook official. Now, I'm going to be honest. I could care less about that, but it's a good title, and it gets your attention, so here we go, all right? But here's what I want to do tonight. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts right before you officially make it a 
one-on-one -on -one dating relationship with someone. I'm going to give you a couple last thoughts that I want you to think about. And then we're going to move past that. We're going to move into now you're dating, now you're in a relationship with someone. And here's some thoughts that I want us to think about. And so we're going to really look at both sides. It's all going to hinge on really basically becoming a publicly known, publicly proclaimed couple. So let's start with the first thing. Let's look at, here's a couple things to consider before we become official. A couple things to consider before we become official. Again, I want to remind you, tonight's going to be a little bit more of just kind of following along, kind of different thoughts, different points, It'll be a little different than before, but I, I think it's going to be very, very helpful. So that being said, here we go. Number one, if you are not ready to be married, you are not ready to date. And everyone says, I'm out. Told you this place was whack. I'm never coming back here. This is crazy. Listen, think about this for a minute. If you're not ready to be married, could it be possible that you're not ready to date? Now, why would I say that? Do I think that friendly dating is a bad thing? I actually don't think it's a bad thing. But here's what I want to do. I want to protect you. And I want to protect the people that you're going to be in relationship with. So if you start dating around with no intention of ever marrying that person, here's what you're doing. Number one, you're wasting time. You're wasting each other's time. Number two, you are potentially hurting each other. We'll talk about this more in a minute, but you are sharing a whole bunch of stuff about yourself. You're learning a whole bunch of stuff about them. And all you're doing is preparing yourself for a terrible heartache breakup when it doesn't work. And the sad thing is you already know it's not going to work. And finally, I would argue, and again, we're going we're gonna to dig into this more in a minute. You are almost guaranteed that the longer you're together, you are going to at least struggle, if not step into getting physical together. It's, it's just going to happen. The longer you're together, there's going to be this struggle and this pull. And if you have no desire to get married, there's going to be just this unbelievable pull to want to do these things, to want to move into a place of physical intimacy. And all you are doing is setting yourself up for more pain. So I want to be clear. I don't think that friendly dating is just a bad thing. But what I want to say to you is we need to be wise. We want to be careful because like we talked about last week, we care about each other. And so if you are not ready to be married, the question would be, why would you want to date someone? You've got to answer that for yourself. And if you can give yourself some good answers, then maybe you could consider it. But I want to keep you safe. And I want to keep you protected. And I want to keep this thing exciting. Here's the second thing I want to show you. We need to cultivate standards that are biblical and realistic. We need to cultivate standards that are biblical and realistic. Think about this. Attraction is significant. So if you're sitting here, maybe at church for the first time, and you go, man, I was kind of waiting to see, do they care about what you look like, or is it only about the heart, and if she's cute, it, it doesn't matter, and I really can't date her because she's cute. How do we, appearance, is, uh, attractiveness, it's significant. It's just not the most important thing. And like we all know, and if you didn't, I'm going to give you a newsflash, it's going to be excellent. Beauty fades. The older that you get, uh, your, your appearance is going to change. Maybe you didn't know that, and, and you're welcome. That was really good information for you tonight. But it's going to fade. It's going to change. And the big question for you is, is it love or is it lust? Is it love or is it lust? If it's based on something physical that we know is going to change and we know it's not good. However, if you are with someone that you're not attracted to in any way, shape, or form, 
it's okay to say this probably isn't going to work. Right? Can we keep that just as simple as possible? So attraction is significant. Just make sure that it is not the most important thing. I would also advise to you that when you are attracted to someone, particularly to the gentleman, because I'm going to understand your side more than the female, sorry. When you are attracted to something, to someone, make sure that you're attracted to the good things. Make sure you're not attracted to her because she dressed a little bit more sexy than the other girls, and so there's just this natural attraction. That, that's not enough, and you're attracted to things that aren't good. Be attracted to the things that are important, that are special, that are sacred. There are many, many, many beautiful girls that don't need to wear revealing or low-cut or fill-in-the-blank clothing to get your attention. That's what we want to be attracted to. They can be beautiful. That's wonderful. But make sure you're not attracted to things that are setting you up for trouble. Here's the second thing in cultivating standards. They need to believe in Jesus. They need to be a believer They need to be just like you. We talked about this in our singleness. They need to be pursuing the Lord. That has to be a standard that is a priority for you. You may have heard this verse before. 2 Corinthians says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Now, let's look at this for just a second. We're not saying that anyone that's not a believer in Jesus Christ is bad and we should never be around them. That is as silly as it can come. Matter of fact, when you think about, when it says unequally yoked, what they're talking about is two animals being uh, yoked or tied together to work together to move the plow down the field. When the two come together, they're stronger than the one that's alone. But here's the thing. There's plenty other animals around that same field, but they happen to link together or yoke together two that are similar in strength, similar in speed, so that they can move together and move the plow forward. Listen. There are plenty other people around you in the world, right here even in this room. It is great to be friends with all people, even those that do not believe in Jesus, those that do believe in Jesus, those that just started a relationship with Jesus. But who you are going to link up with for the rest of your life, the person that's going to have influence over your kids and over your marriage and your values and your morals, that needs to be you linking up with someone that is following the same Lord that you are and is passionate about that. So we want to make it a standard that they are a believer in Jesus. And the third part of these standards is, and this is important in our culture today, they must be of the opposite sex. Biblically speaking, there are many verses on this, but let me just share one with you. Matthew 19 says this, verse 4. If you have not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Is that pretty clear? Male, female, husband, wife, hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Now, that's just one verse on a multitude of them. But I picked that one because it's actually referring to another verse in Genesis and links these two together. The Bible is clear that our relationships should be male and female, all right? Now, we can do a message on this some other time and dig into this deeper, but what I want to show you is what the Bible says because we're looking at standards from a, a high view. This is radically important. Now, for some of you, you may go, this, this isn't a problem for me. Like, not a problem at all. But there's others of us, maybe even in this room, that this is a struggle. 
all right? And so what I want to encourage you is, man, come up and visit with me, talk to somebody, get some help, and, and walk through this. And we're not saying that you necessarily have a problem. That's what we're trying to identify. But what I say is we can help you walk through this. We can help navigate these fields. We can get some clarity and some understanding, and we can navigate through this together. But I want to be ultimately clear. There's no question here. They need to be believers, and they need to be of opposite sex. Those are the standards, the biblical standards that we want to set. Now, let's move to the next point. Number three. Here's a good one. Establish your boundaries before pursuing a relationship. Establish your boundaries before pursuing a relationship. Now, let's talk about this. What are these boundaries we're talking about? Well, let's talk about the first one. The first one is physical, all right? Physical boundaries. Now, when we use the Bible as our navigating force in life, the Bible is clear that sex is to be saved for marriage, okay? So if that's the case, and we want to honor the Bible, and we want to honor the Lord, it is wise that we would set boundaries before we ever get into a situation. Let me give you a tip. Even the strongest Christians that I know, if you find yourself in the back seat of a truck, and things are getting hot, and then you decide Maybe we should establish some boundaries. You are going to fail. All right? It's just reality. There is a moment that it's just become too much. So we want to be wise, and we want to establish those boundaries before we ever get there. Now, here's the truth. Some of us in this room, the, the drawl of sexual temptation is not as strong as it is for others. And that's a great thing. It's okay. For you, your boundaries might look different then might look for others. There are some of us in this room, male and female, that our sexual temptation, our sex drive is strong, all right? You may not have to say that. You don't have to raise your hands. Okay. It is strong, though. And you know, man, you're talking about the car, dude, just walking into a room. And I'm, I'm struggling, man. I'm losing my mind. It's going crazy. Listen, here's what you need to do. You need to be serious about your boundaries. You need to see it as an opportunity for you to glorify God, not something that he's trying to punish you with. If you struggle, listen, if you struggle being alone with your girlfriend, then you need to, guess what? Not be alone with your girlfriend in private places. You need to pick public places. You need to keep people by you. Uh, some of you, it's, it's just addiction to, to pornography through the internet. I'll just use this moment for a caveat. Listen, some of you are going, I, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to struggle. Yet you keep your computer in your home, in your room, and you get on late at night, and you're messing around, and you didn't do anything. You weren't trying to, but all of a sudden something pops up, and you didn't want to look at it, but it's like drawing you. It's drawing you, and then you click on it, and next thing you know, everything has opened up. The point is, you've allowed the door to still be open, and as soon as that crack is there, the enemy's going to find his way to sneak in. So for some of us, when we talk about our boundaries, we want to be extreme because we love the Lord. And so for those of you that fall in that category, it may be time that you cut the internet cable. Right? I didn't say unplug it. Notice that. It's a big difference. An unplug can be plugged in just as fast, right? As soon as the moment gets hot, right? Just like your boundaries of, listen, we're not going to do these things, but yet you spend time alone in the back of your truck listening to whatever kind of romantic music, just pumping yourself up to then establish your boundaries. That's not wise, right? So we've got to think ahead plan ahead. Why? Because we're trying to, to, to be weird? No, because we want to honor the Lord and we want to honor each other. Because guess what? I just realized we're not going to finish tonight so everyone can just relax, all right? We're going to have to just cut this message short because we got more. Listen, here's what's going to happen. One day, you are going to get married. 
In this room, there's a really good chance. I'm going to say 90% of you are going to get married. Some of you, that was exactly what you need to hear tonight. It's the greatest place ever. You're going to get married. And you are going to show up to the altar. In fact, I'm officiating a wedding this weekend, so this is on my mind. You're going to show up to the altar. And I'm going to pick on the guys for a minute. You're going to come, and you're going to be staring across at that beautiful bride that you handpicked, that you were thoughtful and you were careful and you did all the things we talked about because that's the whole point of being here, right? To do everything we're talking about. That was for you, encouragement. And you're standing at the altar and you look at her and you are overwhelmed and you're so excited. You might even cry, gentlemen. It's a really good thing if you do that at your wedding. It's beautiful. And you're going to exchange these vows and you're going to start getting ready to make this commitment. And maybe maybe the pastor will have her go first. So she's going to tell listen, I, I love you and I am giving you my life through thick and thin, through good, through bad, whether we're broke or rich, whether we're broke or rich. Remember that. No matter what, sickness or health, I am yours. You are mine. And then you're going to look at her and you're going to say, it's my turn. And you're going to say, listen, babe, uh, you won't say that because no pastor tells you to say that. But you're going you're gonna to get ready to make that commitment. And you're going to say, I am giving you everything that I have except There were a couple moments throughout my life that I was with some other people. But other than what I gave away there, I'm giving you everything else that I have left over. I don't know about you, but how sweet does that sound? So here's the point. What we do now determines what those moments look like later. And when you stand in front of that spouse or that soon-to-be spouse, I want you to be able to say, I'm giving you everything. I have waited, we talked about this week one, remember that? I've waited for you. I have been patient, and I have waited because I want you to experience this with me. That's a beautiful picture. And so right now, we start talking about these things, and you're like, this guy's crazy. Cut the internet cord, back of a truck, what He's outdated of society. Well, you're right. Culture is telling you something totally different. But what I'm telling you is that moment when you look across at your bride or that moment when you look across at your husband, that's the moment we're talking about. We're not talking about what everybody else says outside these walls. That's why this is important. That's why we say, hey, the day that we meet, we're going to establish boundaries because it matters. And because there's a good chance, remember this, 99.9% chance that we're not going to make it. And if that's the case, I don't want to be sitting at your wedding, though that might be weird, sitting at your wedding as you get married and be able and have to say, listen, she's giving you everything except that little part that I took while she was with me for that year and a half we were together. See, when we remember that as believers together, we're a family, that we're brothers and sisters unless we put a ring on it with that one person, It should change the way we look at each other. It should change the way we treat each other. It should change the way we date because we care about each other and not just our own sexual desires. And so physical boundaries, the only way we're going to conquer this is if you establish them from the get-go and you get on the same page. Because listen, it's far easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. And so if you're with someone that's not on the same page, kick that fool to the curb because it ain't worth it. And I'll tell you this, you're probably not going to make it. You got to be on the same page with this. You got to have the same passion. And you got to be willing to go to whatever extremes are necessary because you care about that person and you love 
the Lord. Then we have another set of boundaries. There are emotional boundaries. Some of us, we get, start dating someone, and we're on the phone 24-7, or we're texting 24-7, and we talk, and we go to dinner, and we go out, and we hang out, and we, we're together, 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 together. That's all we do. We're all together. We lost all our friends because all we do is hang out together. We'll talk about that in a minute. And what do you do when you're hanging out together? You are sharing everything you can about each other because you're just so excited. I want you to know what it was like when I was a kid, and then what it was like when I was one, then when I was two, then when I was three, then when I was four, then when I was five. That's why it takes every night and every day because we're going through every detail. And when you get to the end, which usually is a couple of weeks, you realize, (laughs) so sorry if you just started dating. You realize, I have shared everything about me with this person that I now broke up with four weeks later. And again, you stand at the altar with that future spouse and you say, well, there's not a whole lot left I can share with you, but whatever is left, I give it all to you, babe, as my dedication and my vow. You see how weird this is? But our culture is so good, right, convincing us, oh, come on, this is great. Love movies, love stories, love songs, love books, love everything, love podcasts. You want love, you can find it. Like this is what you're supposed to, but all we're doing is crossing these boundaries and we're hurting ourselves. So point is, that was way longer than I needed to be on that. We must establish our boundaries early. Let me give you some verses for this. 1 Corinthians six eighteen says this, talking about physical boundaries. Flee from sexual immorality. It doesn't say try to fight doesn't say try to hang in there, just see how far you can go, and then it stop. No, it says flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body or her own body. Then when we talk about emotional boundaries, we read this last week, Proverbs 4.23. This is going to come up multiple times. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. We must protect these things. Here's number four. This is a good one. This is practical. Where you look usually determines the type of person you're going to find. Where you look usually determines the type of person you're going to find. So we'll give two extremes. You go to the bar, you're probably going to find a crazy person that likes to drink. That doesn't mean everybody that goes to the bar is a bad, evil person. Okay, relax. Some of you are like, oh, I knew this place was evil. All right, it's okay. But what I'm telling you is you run the risk of that, what's the main focus at a bar? It's drinking, right? It is what it is, that's it. So if you meet someone in these environments, what you're doing is just opening the door for potential problems. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee. All right, I'm not saying you can't find the most perfect person at a bar. I'm just saying you probably shouldn't try it because it's a risk, all right? These environments establish those settings. But let's just say you happen to go to church to a great place like underground, it does sound like a bar, but that's okay. But you're here, and you start looking around, and you go, man, there's a lot of great people here. There are. Yes, there are. There's a lot of people I can meet here. This is great, right? I hope you get yourself fixed, because they're going to friend zone you until you get that figured out, but that was last week. But the reality is, you meet someone at church, there's a really good chance they're going to be pursuing the same things that we're trying to get you to want to pursue. So when you look at it, you go, that makes sense. My environment will usually determine the type of people that I'm meeting. Now, here's something very important. Just because you met someone at church does not guarantee that they are a good person. That's right. You should lean a little bit more away from that person you're sitting next to because I don't know you, fool. Who is this guy? All right? 
Just because you met them at the church does not guarantee that they are a good candidate for marriage. There's a better chance, but it's not a guarantee. So gentlemen and ladies, but particularly the ladies, I want you to be careful, all right? I'd love to say every gentleman in this room is amazing. I think that they are, but don't hold me to that. Definitely don't sue me if that goes bad, okay? Because they are all human, and we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. So with that being said, just because you're in the environment of the church does not guarantee safety, but it sure does seem like a much better environment to be looking for the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with yoking together to pursue the Lord. Seems like a good idea. So just keep in mind that our environment will usually determine the type of people that we are meeting. Also, I want to make a note, online dating, this comes up always, um, we're not talking about swiping left or right. Okay, that's a different topic, all right? But when we're talking about online dating, if you don't understand that, good for you, all right? Uh, that just made it worse for like half the people there, sorry. But online dating, online dating is actually, now don't take this and go spread this all over the internet. Online dating is actually not that bad. Here's why. Relax, all right? Some of you are like, this place is nuts. I don't get it. Here's why I like online dating. All right, now I'm not saying that you should do this. I'm just, just giving you, I always like to have a, a high view of different things. Online dating is very specific. Now, you have to get to know the person that you're, you're engaging with, and I'm saying there is definitely safety there. But the point of online dating is you're looking at things that you care about. You're looking at things that you pursue. You're looking at things and morals and values, depending on the site, of course, that you're trying to pursue. So even though I'm not saying all of you should go online dating, because I don't, I don't think that's the case, but I do want to say there's some interesting elements we could pull from online dating. The priority is who the person is, not just what the picture looks like. Now, in our world today, we're a little bit more about what he or she looks like, and then we'll deal with the profile later. And the reality is it really should be the opposite. So there's some the lessons we can learn from online dating, but don't go leave here and tell your mom that the pastor told you to online date. Okay? Here's the last one before we get into being Facebook official. This is good. He initiates, and she responds. He initiates, she responds. Listen, I don't think that it is evil or even wrong if, if ladies, if you pursue, kind of initiate a guy to try to, you know, start something. I don't necessarily think that you're wrong, but here would be what makes me nervous. If he, biblically speaking, we're going to get into this a lot next week, biblically speaking is called to lead you. But he doesn't have the courage to initiate something with you. It makes me nervous how well he's going to lead you. That doesn't guarantee that a guy that's a little anxious and nervous to ask you out means he can't lead you, okay? Let's not miss that. If you're, if you're a catch, he's going to be nervous trying to come after you. In his. But the point is, gentlemen are to initiate. And ladies, you are to respond doesn't always have to be that 100% nail that down as a commandment. But what I'm saying is it is a great moment for you to see the kind of man that is pursuing you. And remember what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. If he is taking his time to pursue you, don't look at him and go, he must, must not have courage. He can't lead me. 
he's probably doing what I told him to do, stalking you to make sure you are of potential before he steps into a relationship with you, all right? I didn't say stalking, but it's pretty much what we've been talking about, all right? What we are trying to pinpoint here is we want to get to know these people in safe environments and to know who they really are so we don't waste time stepping into relationships. So might I encourage you that, gentlemen, you need to be the initiators. That is really, I think, what is best. But at the same time, take that carefully. But it's a, just a good sign. And by the way, if he has to go through your girlfriends to get to you, he lacks some courage and probably just needs some time. All right? Don't use the girlfriends to try to get to the girl. It's direct contact and initiating by the man. All right, let's be done with that. You can ask questions later. I'll be available. Or maybe Zach will. Now, how do we do it right? You made it. You found someone. Maybe tonight's your night. You were sat next to him and you were hoping. It just got really awkward because I just said that. But now it has come together. You are officially a couple, and officially Facebook official, and I said official multiple times. Here's the first thing I want to point out. Here we go. We're dating. We're dating with intention. We're in a relationship. We're being intentional. Here we go. Number one, we're going to spend time intentionally getting to know them. We're going to spend time intentionally getting to know them. Now, it's okay to have some fun and to enjoy and go do some different things. But listen, the dating process is our chance to get to know them in a way that we just couldn't see from the friend zone. It's a chance to be intentional. Now, being intentional and spending time with them doesn't mean we spend every waking moment with them. See, if we're intentional with the time we have with them, we don't have to spend every waking moment with them. And the reality is if we're going to guard ourselves physically and guard ourselves emotionally, we can't spend every waking moment together. There has to be some clear boundaries there. But we are intentional. What are we looking for? Well, I'll tell you a couple things in no particular order. We're looking for hobbies. What are the kind of things that they do? If he plays video games 24-7, that may make it for you. It may break it for you. I don't know. But it'd be nice to know that. If every time you call and say, hey, I'm going to call you back as soon as I get to level 100 and he's on level 1, it's probably going to be a long marriage. You might want to rethink that. Now, I, I know, be careful. I'm not saying all video games are bad. I'm just saying you should be really careful, okay? There's only a handful of people in the world that actually make money playing video games. The rest just waste their life. Now, not only are we looking at hobbies, we're looking at who they are. We're looking at the quirks. What is it that's cute to you? What is it that drives you crazy? Listen, if it drives you crazy how he manages his schedule, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So notice that. Now, you may be able to come in and balance that out, and it may make for a great team, right? Because, listen, ultimately, marriage is not about completion. It's about complement, all right? And so it's possible that you might balance each other out. But if you're looking at this going, I don't know how I could do this, but he's really cute, so I'm just going to hope it will all work out. Don't do that. Be smart. Be wise. Be, be objective. Be subjective. Look at these moments and be careful. But look at those quirks. Look at what she's like around people, right? If she has a, a crazy laugh, I mean, I know this is silly, but if she just has a crazy laugh, you need to, you need to process this, all right? If you're going to get angry every time she smiles, it's going to be a problem, all right? Like, that, that makes sense. Now, listen, hear me. I know my sensitive people are going, why did he just say that? 
I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm just pointing out obvious things. Listen, guys, marriage is not distant relationship, okay? Marriage is as close as you're going to get with any other person in your life every minute of the day that you're home together, okay? You need to understand who this person is that you're getting ready to potentially marry, okay? I don't think a laugh is a deal breaker, but what we're talking about is the reality of the different quirks that people have, the different things, the different ways they operate, the different ways they navigate life. These are realistic things that we need to think about. So we talked about hobbies. The other thing is how they view marriage and family. Listen, this is important, if they are going to be, let's say you, you're, you're talking to this girl and you, you think this could be the one you marry. And then she says, listen, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I want to have a job. That's great. But you go, I thought you were going to stay home with the kids. Like that's kind of how I see the family going. It's great. You're both good people. You both have a great future. You can both be happy and you can both honor the Lord. You're just not going to do it together because it's not going to work. But then you meet her and you realize, man, she wants to be a stay-at-home mom. She wants to raise the kids, and that's what you were hoping for. You're going to be working hard. you got a job that's going to be able to sustain your family. That sounds like a good match. So these are things we got to look at. you got to look at how they view marriage. Did they come out of a divorced home? Have they dealt with that? That was me, by the way. I came out of a divorced home. I had to deal with that. I had to realize it and to learn that that's not what marriage is supposed to look like. That marriage is intended by God that two people would stay together through thick and thin. They'd walk through all of it together. That divorce was not an option. That we endure, we work together, which makes the single season in the friend zone so important so that we know who it is that we're marrying. You've got to look at some of these things as you're navigating this. Now, here's my advice to you. On the first date, don't sit down and ask all of these deep questions. That will be intense and you'll be single for a long time. But as you are engaging with each other... Be intentional. Talk about things that matter. Don't be the couple that's on their phone looking at your phones through, looking at each other through your phones. Don't do that. Use that time wisely so that you can have that time at a minimal place so that you can keep those healthy boundaries and you can move forward properly. So these are really important things you got to think about. Here's number two. It's good to have a third wheel. Can all third wheel people say, amen? That's all of you, by the way. It's good to have a third wheel. You know why? A third wheel keeps you accountable. There's things you're not going to do with someone else sitting in the car with you. That's a good thing. Hey, you're, you talk to people differently. When your buddies are going, say that one more time, I'm going to knock you out, bro. Don't talk to her like that. How dare you speak to her like that? You're getting angry at her for that. Look at what you did. You got accountability. Like, and we're talking about accountability. It's good that a couple has someone that they trust that is walking through this relationship with them, that knows where you struggle, that knows your weaknesses, and can help you navigate this. It's a hard thing to do alone. It's not impossible, but it's hard. And God created this community, this family, this church, and church in general, the church of Christ in general, that we would walk through life together. So it's good to have someone in your life. It is good that couples have someone that they're bouncing off these things as they're navigating through these days, especially as you move toward marriage. It is good if you're going to get married, that you're going to get married, that you go through some form of marriage counseling and you talk through some of these challenges and you talk through the different things that you're going to have to navigate together. It's a good thing. Accountability designed by God. And I'll tell you this, another good thing is you make sure, please hear me, you make sure that you don't chase off all your friends when you meet that person that you just think has all the future in the world. Because let me tell you something, there are many, many good people that got married 
and probably could have salvaged their marriage had they just had someone close enough with them that knew their weaknesses and was asking them about them on a constant basis. Can you imagine how many marriages could have been saved if the guy met some girl on the side through work, whatever it was, and he was struggling with this idea of, man, I don't want to do this, but, but I just feel this draw to make this decision to, to have an extra relationship on the side. And he goes to his friend and says, man, I'm thinking about doing this. And his friend looks at him and says, no, man, you're not going to do that. In fact, I'm not going to let you. Let's work together to make sure. Can you imagine how many marriages could be saved? Can you imagine how many marriages could be saved when that, that man hits his, those, those uh, mid-crisis years and it's like, you know what, I think I'm out of here. I, I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with these kids. I don't want to deal with this wife. It's just too hard. And that friend comes along and says, you know what, it is hard. But you knew it was going to be hard. That's why you made that vow when you got married, that you're going to walk through the thick. And can you imagine how many things could have been said if we just had good people walking with us? Listen, don't start your dating relationship already off on the wrong foot because you chased off all your friends because you got too focused on someone that's probably not going to work out in the first place. Protect those people that God's placed around you. Lean on them to help you to navigate. Because I'll tell you this, the enemy loves to destroy relationships. And if he can take a couple and get rid of all their friends and isolate them alone on an island, he's got control of you. And that, that relationship's going to struggle. It may not, be, may not fall apart always, but he's got you, and there's going to be trouble. So make sure you protect yourself in that way. Here's number three. Warning. If you are asking how far is too far, it is probably a heart problem. Giving you a moment to let that process, let you think about that. Some of you go, I don't agree with that. That's great. Listen, our relationships are not about self-gratification. They are about discovering if we can honor the Lord better together. And is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life honoring the Lord with? So I'm not saying there's not going to be struggles. But if we set those boundaries, we eliminate a lot of those. If we have that good accountability, we eliminate a lot of those. But here's the thing. If you're trying to find where's the line, how far can I go that's not too far, but we can, you know, have these moments together, it's probably something that's more internal. It's probably a hard thing. There's going to be a struggle. We're not eliminating that. That would be foolish. What I'm saying to you is we want to take our eyes and put them up. Get a bigger vision. We talk about something. What you focus on is what you're going to magnify. So if you're focusing in on this, this struggle and, okay, this is a real struggle. So, so let's just find the boundary. How far can we go to where we still honor the Lord but we get to have some fun? What, you see the heart problem here? Now, for some of us, this is going to be a struggle. Listen, I came out of... Um, really every relationship I was ever in was sexually active. So when I became a believer, and really when I put the Lord in his right place in my life, and I started trying to honor the, well, there was only one girl I dated after I became a believer, but to honor Sarah, it was a struggle because I had a past unlike what she had. I was coming from a place where that was a normal practice, and now all of a sudden, I had to create these new boundaries, these extra boundaries to try to protect me, and my mind had to struggle. This is why in your singleness, these are the things you've got to deal with before you try to get into a relationship and think it's all going to just go away. And so what I'm saying to you is, 
if we can keep our vision right and our focus right and our commitment to the Lord right, we won't be spending time trying to find the, the line and try to push the line as far as we can. We'll spend our time dedicated, committed, intentional, focusing on the Lord as we navigate through this journey together. And again, if you establish the boundaries, this really isn't going to be a problem. Now, some people would tell you, and it's very interesting, they would say to you, maybe you should think about not kissing until you get married. Now, to be honest, I'd love to tell you, that's what Sarah and I did, and it was glorious. We didn't do that. But the more I look into this, I find it fascinating because if you've ever thought about it, why do you think that kissing was created? What is its purpose? When you kiss, scientifically what happens is dopamine is being transferred from one person to the other and from that person back to you. The point of kissing is to amplify sexual arousal. It was given to us by God, so that way if you weren't in the mood, you could be in the mood by making out with your wife and all things would lead to great things. We'll stop there. <laughs> Notice I said wife. But now in our culture, we say, well, as long as you just don't go too far, right? You, you can just, just, just kiss. But the idea is, listen, the longer that you kiss, the more dopamine and the endorphins that are being transferred back to body, and you wonder why you get to a point where you can't control it anymore. So, now I'm not advocating to you that the only way to do this is to not kiss till you're married, but my point is, when we understand kind of how things work in life and how things work in our body, it helps us to get a different perspective on what these things are and why we participate in them. So, you may decide that's not for you and you're going to kiss the person and that's great, but it's very interesting to understand how these things work and why they were created. If kissing was created, and we're talking really about long kissing, was created to give you sexual arousal, to get you in the mood to have sex with your wife, your spouse, but we take it out of its context and we use it as a way to show signs of love and affection. What's the point? So that's a question for you to navigate. But I always think it's interesting to know. And some of you are like, why, why did he say that? Like, I mean, come on, man. I'm sitting here with my girlfriend, bro. Like, now we have to talk about this. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I think it's important to understand these things, to understand why God created them and what they're used for. Kissing's not a bad thing. Please, please hear me clearly. But remember, the longer you kiss, the more arousal is created. And then I would ask to you, what's the point? Are you setting yourself up? for trouble. Here's the last thing on this, being official. Trust red flags and don't be afraid to leave. Trust the red flags that you see in these settings and don't be afraid to leave. There's an important principle that we all need to understand, and that is that as far as I can look through the scriptures, nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that God has created just one person for you to marry. When I say just one, not meaning you have multiple people, but that there isn't just one person that has been set aside just for you. I believe that God orchestrates people to come together and relationships to come together and teams to come together. But in the Bible, it's clear that it is a subjective choice that you get to make. Which means, we talked about this last week, you could get married before it's really a good time for you to get married. You could get married to someone that really probably wasn't a good person for you to marry. That choice is up to you. And when we remember that, it takes the pressure off of us feeling like we have to maintain something that could potentially be dangerous. When we realize that 
I don't have to stay with this person because we've been dating for six months or maybe a year. If I see a red flag, it's okay for me to step back and maybe even to step out. And for some of us, the longer we date, the harder it is for us to walk away. Here's some things to look at. If salvation is an issue, if they're not a believer, okay, maybe you've, if for whatever reason, maybe you've never heard that till tonight. Here's what I want to argue to you. If they're not a believer, you should consider stepping out. Translation, break up. Step out. Figure that out. And then get back together if it is so supposed to happen. Uh, people come to the office all the time and they say, hey, you, and, they, and I interview them about getting married to officiate their wedding. And if they tell me that, they're, that one is not a believer, I simply and lovingly say, I can't marry you. And I, and I honestly think that you should break up. Now, it doesn't mean it's over. But until you navigate that, everything else that's going to fall is going to be trouble. So because I care about you, I, I think you should break up, navigate these areas, and if you can figure all that out, by all means, get back together, and it could be a wonderful story that could be a great testament to many, many people. But salvation should be a deal breaker. Addiction. This actually came up one of the questions. We asked you all to send in questions if you have, you know, questions about relationships. Someone asked about, about addiction and what if you're, you're with someone or interested in someone that's struggling with addiction. Here's the thing. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all have struggles, and some turn into big things, and some would fall in the category of addiction. So, so no, no person that's addicted to something is less valuable than anybody else. But here's the thing. In the moments of addiction, you aren't going to be able to play much of a part in that healing process. It's going to be between them and the Lord and their commitment to change. And here's the thing. If you are a part of that healing process, it's very possible that too much of that healing process weight weighs on you. And if that relationship happens to fall apart, which remember 99.9% of them do, you're going to cause more problems than you were solutions because you tried to be the one to hold them up. Now, if you're already married, it's a different conversation. But that's not anyone in this room. But I want to make that note just in case you're wondering. For you right now, though, if there's someone that you're with or you're interested in that's struggling with addiction, allow them to heal. Allow them to navigate that season. And then you guys can look at a future together. But you got to be careful here. These are red flags. The last one is anger. Anger. Now listen, we all get upset, all right? Sometimes when I play sports, I mean, it's pretty rare every time. Um, I get frustrated, right? I mean, I never really show it. I very rarely kick the ball or throw it at someone or, you know, throw my tennis racket. That stuff rarely happens. But the reality is there, every one of us have something that kind of gets us aggravated or frustrated. But here's the thing. If you're sitting at a restaurant and you're visiting with that person that you're interested in that could potentially be your mate that you're going to live with for the rest of your life that's going to be around your kids sometimes you're going to be there sometimes you're not and that person uh, has a waiter that treats them uh, maybe just not as perfectly as they expected and they go ballistic on them while you're on this date i just want to give you a hint that's only going to get worse you remember what we talked about last week on the date you're just trying to impress right everything's fake. You just want to prove to them that you're the greatest. If they go ballistic on the date, I can only imagine what's going to happen when they get comfortable with you. And so my advice to you would be anger. We're talking extreme anger is another red flag that really I think you should pull out with. And, and ladies, gentlemen, I guess this is for you too, but ladies, if he gets physical with you one time while you're dating, it is the last time he ever sees you or talks to you period. 
You cannot run that risk. Because one day, you're going to have kids. And one day, that physical abuse will eventually get to them. And if it gets physical with you while you're dating, I guarantee you it's only going to... Now, it's possible that the Lord could do work. Okay? But we're talking about safety here. It's only going to get worse. Who do you treat the worst? I'll answer for you. Your family. Your parents. They birthed you, they fed you, they raised you, they dealt with you, and yet you probably to this day still treat them worse than anybody else on the planet. It's just something about our proximity access to, causes us to act differently. And listen, when you marry someone, that same type of situation is going to take place. And so anger is a red flag you need to be careful with. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to skip one little piece. We'll send it to you online or something like that so we can save time. But I want to talk about this last thing because I think it's important. Now you're in a relationship. Let's use the red flag to launch us in. Let's say that they started getting angry at the waitress and now you've, you're afraid that maybe something, you know, maybe this could be something that's dangerous and you think it's time to, to get out of this and you're, you're ready to end it. Here's what I want to tell you. I want to share with you some tips that are going to help you in the breakup process. Now, I know some of you that have been around here a long time, you're like, there he goes. He loves talking about people breaking up. And you would be correct. I do. And I do that because I believe, I believe, one, that 99% of all relationships fail. So you're going to break up anyway, so you might as well just listen to me. But I also believe that if you can make it through my kind of scrutiny, then it's probably a good thing and you should, too, and you should endure. And I have some friends that have modeled that well here recently, all right? Now, I don't think every relationship is bad, but what I do think is that because we do dating so wrong so often, and that's at me first when I was in the dating realm as well, because we do it wrong, we make a lot of mistakes. And I want you to always remember, we've got to loosen the grip. It's, it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't work out. If you get too far into a relationship with someone to where if you were to break up, you're not sure how you're going to handle it, you've probably gone too far. That place should only be reserved for marriage. In fact, Sarah um, loves it when I tell this story. That was sarcasm. When we were dating, Sarah was the first, that's my wife, by the way. Sarah was the first girl that I ever dated correctly. It wasn't perfect, but it was correctly compared to others. And I tell you what, throughout our entire day, we did it for three years. She was away at uh, Baylor and Waco, and I was here, and we dated for three years. And I got to be honest with you, throughout those three years, had at any point, and, and I tell you this because there were moments when I would think about it, had she broken up with me, here's what would have happened. I would have been sad, been a little sad, but I would have said, you know what, good for you. You're going to find someone, that's great. And that just means there's someone even better for me. And that, now listen, listen, I know, she, she always gets on me when I say this. But here's the thing. There is this healthy place that we have to be with this. That we are, you know what, look, of course, we spent some time with them, so we're going to be sad. But it is not the end of the world because my identity is not wrapped up in you until I say I do with you at the altar. Until I get there, I ain't giving you everything. I want to save something for my spouse, and I hope you do too, right? I don't want you to be the one at the altar going, I got nothing left, but I'll give you that little bit. No, save it. Save something. And so at the same token, be careful that you're not so wrapped up. Ask yourself this question right now. You are in, I'm sorry if you're dating and you're here tonight or this whole series. Right now, 
Don't look at them. Don't look at your friends. Just think about this. Right now, the person you're sitting next to that you're in relationship with or listening or watching, whatever. The person you're sitting next to. If you were to break up today, would your life have a hard time moving forward? You got to ask yourself that honestly. If the answer is yes, if the answer is yes, there's a really good chance that you have put way too much into it too soon. That's just honest. Now, does it mean when you're about to marry someone that you shouldn't be closer to them than most other people? No, absolutely that should happen. But listen, if you've been in a dating relationship and marriage isn't anywhere close right now on your radar and you sit there and you go, man, if we were to break up, I'm not quite sure. How to, I'm, just, I'm just warning you, lovingly saying, you need to be careful because there's a really good chance that it's not going to work out. And I want to help you and I want to protect you. And I want to protect them. Listen, how much have you given to them? How much have you given to them that you are now no longer going to be able to give to someone else if they so happen to not be the one that you're going to marry? That's why I didn't start with this, by the way. I can sense your attention. These are real things that we have to think about because we care about each other and because we want to honor the Lord. So here's what I want to say. If you're going to break up with someone, here's what I want to tell you. Don't break up the first time you feel like it, okay? It, you're going on emotional roller coasters in life, okay? So be careful that you don't just break up every time you feel like something, something bad happened, right? She, she said something the wrong way, it's over. We're breaking up. And there, you know people like that. Maybe it's you. You break up all, you're, they're constantly breaking up and getting back together. So don't, don't be that couple. If you feel like, here's number two, if you feel like after time in prayer that it still feels right that you should break up, then I would say to you, have the guts to do it immediately. You want to be kind about it. We want to be honest about it, but we want to be quick about it because we don't want to linger and cause more pain, okay? And some of you right now, if I could, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Uh, some of you are coming back after tonight. So let me say this just in case I never see you again. Listen, if you, if you, If right now in this room, when I was saying those things just a minute ago, and you're going, gosh, man, I don't know. Maybe I might be right. I don't, I don't know if this relationship that I'm in right now is the right thing. Please, please take some time to pray about that and to think about that. Seek the Lord on that. But if he confirms it, don't waste any more time because all you're doing is hurting each other. You're delaying the inevitable. Because you care about each other, have a conversation. Listen, I don't want you all to leave here tonight and, and all the relationships end. That is not the goal. But I do hope that if there are some relationships that need to end, that they'll end tonight. Because you care about each other and you want to honor each other. For those of you that don't need to end, man, I pray you're soaking this information in. And, man, you're ready to take those next steps and to keep moving forward. Praise the Lord. I'm happy about that. So I do desire for all of you in this room to get married. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this week or this year, because I'm not sure how that would work out. But I do desire that all of you would find the person. But I, I want you to do it the right way, and I want you to be ready. And I want to be able to look back and say, we prepared you. But if that's you, take your time, pray for it. But then if it's real, be honest and quick about it. And then I would say, be gentle. Be gentle and clear. Listen, don't, don't try to figure out a way to say it without really saying it, but then seeing if they get the hint. Don't do all that. Just be clear. Just be clear. It's great practice in male leadership. It's great practice in responsibility. Just be clear. And then be clean. Meaning, when you end it, end it. 
don't, don't say we can be friends. Don't say we, listen, I want to just keep you close. But I, that's called dating in the friend zone. That's just not wise. Listen, if you're going to end it, go ahead and end it. Listen, don't not be able to come back to church. That's just a sign that you went way too far in the relationship. But you may need to just sit in different sections, okay? Don't look over at somebody like, that's why I was here. <laughs> it's okay, though. You may just need to put a little bit of proximity between you. But if, if we can't come back to church because the person that we were dating is there, we probably did it wrong. And probably too much of our identity was wrapped up in that person. Okay, so this is this why we're being real here. Now, let's say you're on the other end. Real quick and we're done. Real quick and we're done. Let's say you're on the other end and someone just broke up with you. Oh, right? I know. I, I don't mean to be insensitive. I, it's great, though. It's going to be a good thing. Trust me. Listen, if they broke up with you, it just means there's more fish in the sea and there's someone better for you. Praise the Lord. All right? When someone breaks up with you, here's, this isn't on my notes, so this is free. What, when someone breaks up with you, what you should say is look at them and be like, thank you. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I'm hurt. But... If you're breaking up with me and I thought you were great, that just means there's someone better than you for me. This is awesome. I mean, now you may not do that in person because that would probably be really confusing. But what I'm saying is that's the kind of loose grip we want to have on this thing. If it works, praise the Lord. It's going to be beautiful because we're going to do it the right way and God's going to be honored. But if it doesn't, it's okay. It just means there's going to be someone else out there and it's going to be marvelous. Have you ever, listen, do you look back and go, oh, I wish I had just grabbed that third person that I was dating in my life. If I go down the list, that third one though, if I had just kept her, n none of us do that. We look back and we go, thank you, Lord. What was I thinking? I was crazy. Thank you for not giving me that promise that I made that I'll follow you to the end of the earth if you'll just give me this woman in fifth grade. I mean, thank you, Lord, for not doing that. So when someone breaks up with you, all it is is an opportunity for you to find someone that's going to be a better match and a better compliment for you. You're welcome. That was free. So here's what you do. Face reality. Don't try to hold on to false hope. Face reality. Don't try to hold on to false hope. Just let it go. It's okay. It's okay. Don't buy flowers. Don't buy candy. It won't matter. She's already moved on. Number two. And here, let's be careful here. It's okay to feel and cry. It is. It really is. It's okay to be, it's okay to be sorrowful. All right. I don't, I don't mean to make light too much of this because I, I do understand that it's hard. All right. I've been through a breakup. That's tough. But here's the honest advice. If you go a couple months and this is still eating at you, I mean this in as, as sensitive and as pastoral as I can. I really think you should just seek some extra help, some professional help. It's not because you're messed up or you're broken. It's just you're going to need someone to help you guide through that. And that's what professional counselors, that's what those people are for. They help us to navigate those emotions and those feelings. So it's okay to feel and cry for a while. It's okay. Gentlemen, if you cry, it's okay. Ladies, you're going to cry. It's okay. Either way, listen embrace it, learn from it, but then be ready to move on. And if you can't move on, then get some help. And then finally, um, be careful about the rebound. We know that. I didn't even need to say that, but let me just remind you, okay? As soon as you, someone breaks up with you, everyone just looks great. All right? You're just like, just anybody. Just fill the void that is in my life right now. Who is that person? I can't even see because it's dark, but let's go. Like right there. Just don't do that. Just take your time. Embrace your singleness. It's probably a sign that there's some other things for you to work on in your life. Man, be okay with that. Navigate those areas. Get yourself ready. Here's what I want to end with. It's just a little story. There was a guy. His name was Cody. Uh, it's a true story many, many years ago. And Cody, uh, he was in high school. You know, high school dating's tough, right? 
Praise the Lord, we're not high, if you're in high school, I'm sorry if you made it in here somehow. But praise <laughs> the Lord, we're not in high school, right? I remember Bethany, hey, I won't say her last name in case she ever hears one day. But I remember Bethany, man, I was in love with Bethany, and I, like, I bought her roses, and she never cared. She didn't even look at me. But I just felt like she was the one. And praise the Lord, she wasn't the one, or at least she didn't allow it. But he was in high school. We know the intensity, and that's amplified, and we're that young, and all that. And he met a girl, and he fell in love with her, and, and she, they, they dated, you know, high school dating, whatever that even means anymore. And they dated for a little while, and then she broke it off with him. And he tried. He bought her roses. He bought her cars. He bought her flowers. He did everything he could to try to capture her. Man, he was writing in a journal, and he was talking to all of her friends and just trying anything he could. And finally, it just got to the point that she was done. She was out. She wanted nothing to do with him. And, um, and his youth pastor is telling this story. And uh, he says that... Uh, that, that guy, Cody, just stopped coming to church, just totally eliminated himself from all community. He just, he was done. He didn't do anything to do with it. And, uh, and not but a couple weeks later, uh, Cody got arrested. He did, just did something stupid. I think he stole something. He got caught. And so he was put in jail just for a short little sentence, just for a couple weeks, really just more of a kind of that kick in the rear to wake you up and make sure he doesn't go down the wrong path. But he served for a couple weeks. He was going to be out. And, um, and all of a sudden, the youth pastor got a phone call just maybe two or three days into that sentence. And it was the people from the, uh, from the prison. And they called and they said, listen, we don't, uh, we don't know how to tell you this, but you were on Cody's, uh, you were his next of kin. You were who he wrote down as the person that we'd talk to if anything ever happened. And they said, we, they mumbled on the phone. They said, we don't really are sorry. We don't know how to say this, but Cody took his life this morning. And so they, uh, they brought the youth pastor to the jail so that he could identify the body. And then they showed him the cell. And on the wall, he just wrote, and I believe her name was Emily. They said, Emily, I will always love you. And he hung himself because a relationship didn't even last a few weeks. didn't work out. And he didn't know how to navigate it. And he took his own life. It, doing the math, he would have been like 45 now probably happily married with kids and a job and he would have been moving forward in life now i know it's a high school story but can i just tell you that that's the kind of intensity that that average person puts into these relationships and when we do that we find ourselves in an unhealthy place and i love you guys and i want to protect you i know some of the things i said tonight may seem crazy to you but it matters i want you to think about these relationships as open opportunities. Man, you meet someone, put it in your hand, but don't close that grip so tight because you found someone and you're not gonna let go no matter what it takes. I'm gonna hang on to her with everything because she's the one I wanna marry. But rather you just say, man, here's, here's Emily. And you know, we're gonna, start, we're gonna start dating. We're gonna start intentionally getting to know each other. And uh, we spent some time in the friend zone. We got to know each other from afar. Now we're gonna get to know each other a little bit closer. But man, you know what, Lord? Listen, if it doesn't work out with Emily, I'm not gonna try to hang on. You just come right in and you take her out. Take her out, don't take her out, take her out. But just take her out <laughs> as, as fast as you can, Lord. Because I, I don't wanna waste any time. I don't wanna waste any time. And I, I wanna give that same encouragement to you. Man, listen, it's okay. It's okay to get into relationships, but be wise. If there's no potential for you to marry them, it's probably not worth it. Just, just wait. Be patient. You, you're more attractive the less you date. And it's just true. You meet someone that's dated uh, like 100 people, and you're just like, that's great. I don't know. Why would I? I don't know. But then you meet someone, and you're like, wow, you're that intentional, and you're that careful, and it's that special to you. Man, that's, that's intriguing. 
That's exciting. Let's be that way. I want to say this. I know for some of you, we started talking about um, temptation and struggle and, and, and the idea at the altar. Man, to give that illustration is some of the hardest things I have to do in my ministry career because I was that guy that stood at the altar and looked at my wife and told her, I'm going to give you what's left. That hurts. But here's the beautiful thing. We serve a God that loves and forgives, and he doesn't just remove, he restores, and he creates new. And he can do the same thing for you, no matter what that struggle was, no matter what those mistakes were, he can wash you white as snow right here tonight, and he wants to do that.